From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the revolution. If you are back, oh my God, thank you so much for overcoming last week's debacle of a podcast. <laughs> Wait, where am I? You can already hear, you can already hear that the podcast has saved. Good God Almighty, what a shit show last week. I was, I was all by myself. I was lonely. I'm I had sorry. nothing but walls to stare at. And uh, <laughs> and I just got through it the best I could, which was not good. So Corey, you're back. I'm back. You had to save me. Did you listen to that thing? Were you here like immediately after listening to it Tuesday night? <laughs> the good news is you were the best host on the show last week. That's yeah, true. That's a good, that's a nice positive thing. To so what you're saying about. is I kept my streak alive. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice we're all back? There we go. Rebecca's back. I'm here. Now they don't have any idea, folks out there. They have no idea how bad it was because uh, they don't listen, especially when they're not on it. But uh, I selfish like that. Well, I advised against it. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> He said, please don't listen. So we, we listen to him for once. It's hard talking to yourself. Um, it is. It really is. No, no, no. It's not hard talking to yourself. That's, you should have put a mirror in front of you next time you have to be by yourself. Oh, God, I couldn't keep, <laughs> I couldn't concentrate looking at myself. Come on now. <laughs> Why? Because you just argue the whole time? <laughs> no, no, listen. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was painful to say the least. It was, uh, it was a tough sledding. And uh, and if you're back from last week, you are a trooper because uh, I don't even know what I talked about last week. I really don't. <laughs> I can't remember it. So I, I just basically I blacked out for like 40 minutes. Yes, <laughs> nice. I came to and we were done recording, and I was out in my car. So, but hey, the upside is nothing's happening in tennis, and nobody cares. <laughs> Not true. Not true. We got a few things, but nothing major. Is there yeah. anything anywhere on any channel in any country ever right now? Is there anything on TV? Shanghai just finished. At two in the morning? Yeah. Is it like at two in the morning? Yeah. I'm sorry. I just can't. I'm a tennis fan, but good God almighty. No, it's pretty slim pickings right now. Yeah. There's really not a lot going on. Well, the only things that I can think of that, that I can bring to the attention of our millions of fans around the world is that uh, she did it. She finally did it. <laughs> Holop is number one. Yes. Is that exciting? Does that bring you any joy? But you know what she also did? <laughs> Answer Lost. my question first. Does <laughs> it, it bring you bring any me... joy? Don't rain on her parade yet. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she accomplished a goal. Because How many times has she had the number one ranking on her racket? <laughs> you win this match, right. you'll be number one. I mean, more than once. There's several this time. More several than this year. Yeah, three yeah. or four times maybe. And probably going into every tournament this year, I know she had a chance. Yes. To be number one, so I mean, she has been the most consistent player this year in terms of every of tournament losing? she goes oh, pretty wait, deep, <laughs> minus the U.S. Open when she lost first round. But yeah, yeah, but that was a tough opponent. Well, you know that's <laughs> that's kind of a tricky Sorry, death stare. Yes, that's a tricky criticism of our sport because it's a lot like NASCAR or any other sport, a golf where you can finish second all year round, and if it's a different person finishing first every time, then you're going to be the best player, right? Sure. Um, and so maybe Even she, you've lost to so many other players. Listen, I, no offense to her and women everywhere. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait for it. Um, but let's hats off to DC, Darren Cahill. Oh, oh I love yeah. Darren. For the love of God. He's stuck it through. My God. I just need, wow, next time I see wrong. him, I need to hold him <laughs> because I can tell you as a player, certainly going through the emotional control trials and tribulations that Hollow goes through every time she's got a big match. He's on the sideline trying to help her through it and really having no answers. <laughs> well, I knew I was going to say you have the most experience with this, but isn't watching tennis a lot worse than playing tennis? Yes. In terms of stress? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so he's yeah. got to do that year. I mean, we're seeing her complode in these matches and he's watching it every time firsthand. When you're affected by it. So yeah. watching as a fan, you might, be you know if you're a Hollop fan then yeah of course you know it pains you to watch her play an amazing match you know in the semis and then have it all to do there all in front of her on her racket in the finals and then just watch her implode in the most pitiful way ever 
But if you're Which, her coach, it hurts even more because you're supposed to be helping her deal with it. And there's really, there, I don't blame him for not. It, right. there, I mean, a psychologist isn't enough. I think I mean, she needs a voodoo doctor to go in before a final and just <laughs> bless her. <laughs> like uh, you, you may remember uh, Major League. Oh, yeah. Oh, Saran, yes, I right? totally remember <laughs> he that. Had the, he had the that. snake and, yes. and wanted a chicken. and uh, Whatever it takes. <laughs> hey, but you know what? He was able to hit that curveball, wasn't he? I'm not going to spoil alert. Oh, yeah. The you Indians know. win. The Indians win. Guess how many finals this year she's won. One. <laughs> Silence. One. You are correct. Oh, that was a guess. But how many has she been in? She has, let me count them Eight. from the bottom. No, <laughs> that we would have. Be, that would be. I'm going to read off. She, let's see, quarterfinals, third round, fourth round. Right, why don't you read out to yourself while we talk about more interesting <laughs> shit? No, she was, uh, I think she was in. Four, four finals, and she won one. So Darren Cahill, so terrible. No, that's not horrible, but still, the manner in which he loses them is the amazing thing. Well, it's always yeah. someone lower ranked than her, probably. Yeah. Also. Well, typically because she's number two well, in the world true. at the time. Now <laughs> number one. Uh, now, how much does Serena not being there take away from the joy from her? None do at you all. Think? None at all. Uh, I don't think it takes away from her joy. I think it takes away from the respect she's going to get from other people. Yes. But well, I think I it's going to. I that. think she knows that, and yeah. I think she's going to not allow herself to think that and force it out of her brain. But she knows the truth. Well, if she plays yeah. Serena, it's not going to be different because she's number one. She's not going to feel more confidence. I don't. Right. Think. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't think. As it matter matters. of fact, I think she's going to feel like a fraud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite frankly, so come Australian time. Uh, Australia time, you know, Serena's going to be running around the court with a baby on her hip, <laughs> smacking winners. Um, and it depends on which hand she's got the baby <laughs> on, whether it's a forehand or a backhand winner. I'm interested to see Serena's one hand backhand, though. I can't wait. She um, switches hands from time to time. Have you ever noticed that? Well, yeah, when she's out wide or whatever. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so she's a fraud, is what you're saying. <laughs> Simona Holop is a fraud, and uh, Darren Cahill, Cahill is responsible for perpetrating that fraud upon us. Well, remember is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically. Remember when Wozniacki was number one for so long, and it was like the commentators were constantly saying, well, she's number one, but she hasn't really won anything. And so she would play, you know, Serena and Sharapova and, and get murdered, would lose, yeah. but yet she would stay number one in the world because yep. she'd be in the semis and finals of yep. a tournament. Which well, is what Halep has done. Right. Well, listen, too bad. Yeah. Change your dumb system. Change right. this rolling 12-month point system. Make it all a January to December race. Mm-hmm. And then zip it. And only then the year end is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Which really, to me, is the only thing that matters anyway. Because right. we've had, I think, five. Is she now the fifth number one we've had this year or but something along those lines? right. Four or five. So it, th- that doesn't mean anything, obviously, because none of the other ones are now number one. So if she finishes, uh, and I guess, could she? Is she uh, who knows? I don't know. Well, there is no bonus for being number one during the year or at the end of the year, is there? No. No. Not that I'm aware of. Well, there is one bonus. And that's if you do it six years in a row, <laughs> some will consider, consider you the greatest player in the history of the game. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's a little bit, uh, not fraudulent, it's a little strong, but it's, you know, it means a little bit less, or maybe even a lot less, because if Serena was in the mix, this wouldn't even be close to happening. Right. But at the same time, I mean, what is some. Uh, Simone is supposed to do run around and make sure Serena practices safe sex. I mean, you know what can she do? She's or, yeah, or poke not holes play. in her condoms. But well, that would that would have done the opposite. That would given her a baby. She doesn't know how this works. No, I'm just saying it's. So the point be, oh, I see. Do she that did that. That's really what happened. Is what you're saying? Aha! The miracle of childbirth painted yes. by Simona Hollop playing games. Um, yeah. So I think uh, yeah. In that sense, uh, you know. But it is if if Serena would have retired and not had a baby, or retired because of either way, and she isn't there. Either way, she's not there. So right. yeah. Holop had to play who they put in front of her, so to speak. Well, so. I'm interested to see how long. Like maybe the pressure goes off now. She's finally number one, and maybe she starts playing better because she's reached the goal. And there's no grand slams for a few months, so maybe she has time to kind of work on her game and all that. Well, Three and a half months. It yeah. won't take long to find out. Right. Because the next time she has a big match, her first thought is not going to be, dun, 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 I'm number one. Right. I can do it. No, the first thought is going to be, oh, shit, here it comes again. Right. <laughs> or probably True. something, whatever, oh, you know, the F word. Why can't I say that on the podcast? <laughs> you know what? It's PG-13 podcast. Rebecca is the only person to drop the F-bomb on this podcast. 
Hooray. <laughs> We're going to get her a medal. Yes. Um, I deserve one. Indeed. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so fraudulent might be a little bit strong, but uh, but I still think, you know, she definitely took over the number one spot with not everyone contending that, that could have been. So, well, but, she has at least made a Grand Slam final. Uh, right. So sometimes, you know, there are players just randomly. We were talking about Marcella Rios today. Uh, somehow we got on that topic and somebody said, I said, oh, yeah, the guy who's number one for a week. So, I mean, there are things that can happen like that, but generally you got to win a big tournament to be number one, which is kind of the system should be set up that way. Hard, well, hard yeah. to be number one without winning something. Well, I listen, we've already discussed on many podcasts uh, in the past that they need to revamp the entire calendar the way we say it should be done and then make the points fit <laughs> accordingly. Well, because I, f- I feel bad saying this with a tennis podcast, but don't you feel like the tennis year is over? Yeah. Well, I felt like it was over the day after the U.S. Right. Open. And I said that to somebody today. They're like, oh, no, there's some tennis Actually, going on. And I'm like, me, well, not that anybody cares about. But it was fun. Let me make an addendum <laughs> to that last statement. It was over when I left the U.S. Open, which was about three days before <laughs> right. it actually ended. Um, so actually, it was my fault. The, <laughs> the season based on was some of the players that were in that tournament at the end kind of felt that <laughs> yeah, way, too. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. No kidding. That's a good shot's fired. But, uh, <laughs> Wait, who won that? Just yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and that's why coming in here trying to talk about some of these ridiculous tournaments that are going on um they do mean a lot in the in the sta- from the standpoint of points and you know we still got 500s left and right. you know and what how ha- well don't they come up with there's there another thousand like it in november in paris right before the year end there's another masters which to me makes absolutely no sense right i don't know but ultimately um Nobody cares, right? <laughs> and with and since nobody cares, including the players, because they all bail. Yeah, I mean, look at the draws from now until you know the warm ups for Australia start. Right, it's a, it's a shit show. Because anybody who's got any kind of injury whatsoever is going to save it for the Australian and pack it in for the year. And they also do have to actually work on their game occasionally, you know, and practice and try to learn new things. Well, I would say that based on what we've seen this year, I think. Healing up is the number right. one thing they do in the off season. Maybe the second would be tweaking some things, getting with their coaches and uh, or sports psychologists, as it were. Uh, in <laughs> Hollum's case, I didn't understand Roundish's criticism because he was complaining about how long the season was, but yet then he played in the tournament. Like, why is he playing in the tournament if he's upset? Well, here's the other thing: is why is he complaining about the season being so long? His season lasts three <laughs> months every year. Yeah, exactly. Why are you laughing? You knew it was coming, yeah. didn't you? Both of you knew it was, was coming. Uh, yeah. His season's not very long, ever. No. So, I mean, like, it's not like he has to go through a grueling long be. season. Yeah. It I, doesn't happen. I don't know why I like that guy so much. <laughs> I'm not a fan. But I never... Well, you know why? I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. There you go. And you wow. never get to see him play because uh, he's always injured. <laughs> right. He does have a nerdy Clark Kent look to him, though, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's got like, and he's friendly, and a he's home, just kind of goofy. He's a homeschooled Clark he's Kent. He's very goofy. He's the Canadian Sam Query. Homeschool Clark Kent. Yeah, he's can we sweet, get that going? Yeah, he's like a that. sweet boy, though. He's he's kind mm. of like Eddie Munster. So, so is Clark Kent. Yeah. So homeschooled Clark Kent. Can we get that hashtag? Can we, can, can that be on his website eventually? But that implies he can also be Superman, which I haven't quite. He can sometimes. Have you seen him play? He can <laughs> he play, can and sometimes. he can move when Wimbled, he's not Wimbledon injured. Finalist. He's got he's got a a full court game, I think. And, and I would say he's in the top 10 of the modern era yeah. of worst clothing sponsor. <laughs> clothing sponsor. <laughs> I thought I you were going to say hairdo. I'm going to have to go with Thomas Burditch oh, on that well, one when he was he's with h He's number one. He's number one. With H&M. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, oh, who was that guy? He did the coin flip for a recent tournament. Um, oh, for the love of God. He had that backless shirt one day, and I thought he actually wandered into the women's locker room. I don't think uh, I've seen that. I don't that. think I've seen yes, that. I'm going to Google that. Yeah, put pro player backless shirt. She's going to um, have a new crush. Oh, my God. No. Gross. After you see this situation, holy <laughs> shit. That was a disaster. Oh, my God. That was the talk of the tournament, and not in any good way. Oh, my God. It's it's somebody you absolutely know, and I can't think of his name. Like but, a current player or former? Uh, just... Either just recently current or just recently, I don't know. Huh. He, he might still be playing. Maybe he was injured. I don't know. What, um, God, what is his name? Well, I feel like Raonic is part of that like lost generation of tennis, which is anybody between 22 and 27 
can't win anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like Federer and all have dominated sure. that age group. Sure. You got Sock in there, and um, I guess Query would be on the edge of that. Wow, I Googled backless shirt. And <laughs> Just backless shirt? Yeah. No, no tennis no, player? No tennis. Oh. And, and the thing that pops up is Why I Became a Nun by former tennis star Andrea Jager. There you go. Oh, yeah, that was weird. And right. backless shirt, none. Yeah. There you All go. Right. See, she can't Google. I did Google <laughs> tennis backless shirt. This is what we do off the podcast also. Yeah, this is it. This, random, is, this is all we do. Stuff. <laughs> no, but anyway, so Fila, come on. What an awful, awful. Well, Some was of like, the Fila's okay. I, I bought a Fila dress that I really like. But I'm not feeling it. <laughs> you're the worst <laughs> no, well, remember when Roddick used to have Reebok and you would go to Reebok place and they would have no tennis whatsoever but yet Roddick would always be wearing Reebok and then finally he switched yep. so I mean some of these companies are just keeping like one player in the sport to try to sell yeah so maybe Canada or Fila's big in Canada maybe Fila is big with the old ladies on the court nice <laughs> that could be it no seriously I mean there's a lot of tennis companies well clothing companies that they really sell to the yeah. old ladies because they like the prints. They like, right. you know. Speaking of prints, where in the hell did prints go? For the love of God. Prince, as in the tennis racket? No, the prince of... Uh, <laughs> the prince of I Siam. Think, I, that's the one. <laughs> uh, they are still hanging around. They're but, still around. I know people that have, use prints. They don't have many of the top players It's sad, anymore. isn't it? No. It's kind of depressing. Did you find it? Cause well, I well that's, my, it. that's my error. You know, like Prince was big, big time. Um, it, I had a Prince racket when I was a kid. Well, what I've heard is they got a little complacent because they were dominating the market and then they kind of fell off, let other companies take control. Because Wilson and Babylon are pretty, pretty far ahead of them now, I think. Apparently, Target has men's backless tennis shoes. Hmm. That seems <laughs> strange. Which I don't know what that means. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a, a flip flop? I guess so. Well, anyway, a so. Slipper. Yeah. So, what we would say is that it's difficult at best to talk about professional tennis from now until january right. is what you're saying yes all right cancel the podcast we'll see you <laughs> on january there is a lot to talk about in american tennis of course um league tennis right i think we what That's we should do from here on out stop. is it's we were just talking about this on review the way in. every review and analyze every one of rebecca's matches from here until yes, january please. with video clips yeah we can do that podcast i've got three gopros come on call in if you're interested in that <laughs> wait a minute nope phone's nope. not ringing phone is not ringing oh they would love it they would love it no but but it's one thing that uh i have coached is that hollow situation where you get to the point where you just there's if you're not in the right frame of mind i don't care what strat you could use the greatest strategy in the history of the world and it's not going to make one damn bit of difference right because if you can't execute what i'm telling you to execute then it can't be done which is why you know for poor dc killer cahill I, my heart goes out to him because he's sitting there getting paid a handsome amount, I'm sure. Um, and there, it, there's no, he's got no answer. He's just got no answer. And it's always, to me, it seems it's always in the final. I mean, how do you break that? How do you... Well, and how often do players that have that reputation or pattern come out of that? I feel like there yeah. have been some that have. But That's yeah. an excellent point. Well, yeah. here's another guy that has a similar issue in Nick Kyrgios. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he played in whatever chi- uh, uh, tournament is in China. I don't know where the hell their men are at. Shanghai. There's the one. Is that in China? <laughs> then just say, yes, you're right. I know it's hard for you to. I can't say yes to you all the time. Um, oh, we're getting somewhere now. <laughs> um, but he just played uh, against Zverev, and it was almost perfection. And then he plays Nadal, and it's just, ugh, he looked like a four-year-old. Well, I was going to say, he usually has the opposite problem where the bigger the match, the better he plays, and the the less important it is, the worse he plays. True. But obviously that didn't happen this time. Although, uh, you know, some would say that, hey, maybe that Zverev match was a big match to him because it's more of a contemporary. Right. Hmm. Well, Nadal is more motivated because I think Kyrgios has beaten Nadal a few times. He has. Or at least once recently. So I think Nadal is more motivated when he plays people like that. Whereas Kyrgios is probably a little worn out from that big win or has a letdown, which we see that a lot of other sports. You get a big win, you have a letdown the next round. Yeah, but uh, but but it was more of just tanking. Yeah, you know, just well, kind of yeah. I'm too cool for this, 
and that's just a protection uh, mechanism for for your ego. Um, that's just a way of him not putting it all the way out there because he's not feeling it or whatever. Right. So he's just too cool for it. Mm. And you know, for Hollop, there's no hiding it. When you watch her play bad, she plays all bad. It's right. mental. It's all mental it's for not her. Me- it's not all mental. It's emotional. That's mental for me. Mental and emotional. <laughs> for they're, women, they're, they're the connected. Same. <laughs> and so, she is a woman. So, so um, the emotions break into the mental. You know, so when you talk about performance enhancing drugs, you oh, know, wait, that, what? not drugs. <laughs> that's not it, but I was just showing you a picture of, I believe that's yeah. Mahout. By the way, can everybody see? <laughs> are, are we. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So that's sexy. When you were looking Sorry. at uh, pictures on a computer screen, <laughs> so please everybody stand by. It's, um, it's Mahout wearing a tennis dress. At. It's. I, I remember when they played this. He put on a tennis well, dress. He's, it's probably just French fashion. He's weird. He's after French, he after he lost weird. that three day match, he just went off the rails. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, but you you know you you try to coach somebody that's that's in that state, and uh, and really. It can be fixed because drugs fix, not bad drugs, but like prescription, right. you know, Adderall whatever. Adderall maybe or um, something to help them focus. Xanax. Yeah. Probably Xanax. <laughs> take away a little bit, take the edge off. Um, but I mean, there's ways to manufacture that feeling as well. Stay in the, in the present, if you will. Breathing exercises, a good smack to the grill. <laughs> well, what's going to um, be frustrating though is... It can't happen to her all the time because she does have good wins and beats you know good players. So she's only had one win in a final, though. Right, so. but, but there's been big matches. Right. But listen, it's when it, 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 there's no rhyme or reason to it either. And so if we tried to pick out a pattern, it wouldn't really be effective because it's whenever she decides something gets in her head. Right. So if she really starts looking at, oh, I could be number one. That means a lot. And now I start thinking about oh, this is going to happen or this is, you know, or, oh, this is not going to happen or what if it doesn't happen, you know, or what if I play right. terrible, what are people going to think or, um, you know, all those, or <laughs> what is Darren going to think? Um, what is he going to yell at me in his sexy Australian voice? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, and it's just, it's. Maybe it, that's why she does it. She likes to hear the sexy Australian Listen to yelling. me. I'm telling you right now. So <laughs> you buy, Jim Lair is like a, you know, world-renowned sports psychologist, book-writing kind of fella. And I'm telling you, I'm going to go out on a limb. Even he is winging it when he's coming up <laughs> with his theories and shit. Because it's inside that noggin of yours, Rebecca's in particular, <laughs> it is a swirling, nebulous mess in there that really, who can really figure out what's going on? For everyone, really. But Hardly. I mean, well, not my mind. Maybe not you. I'm, but pretty, not, I'm pretty level. But not only that, during a match... They have to do it themselves, which to me yes. is what separates tennis. If he had the chance to sit down with Hallett for five minutes during a match, maybe she would be Wrong. able to turn it around. It would make it worse. <laughs> I've tried. In yeah, college, you can't. That's can. true. That's it's true. A, it's, it's, <laughs> Good point. It, it's, I mean, it's amazing the, physio- the physiology that goes on when you watch somebody going from a first set where there's no pressure, or a pressure, but not like enough to where it gets in your head, and you play decent. Or a semifinal versus a final, and what they look like, their body language, they you know their eyes darting back and forth, their hands shaking. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and it in even for titans of the industry like somebody like Jim Lair, and I'm not talking smack about Jim Lair because um, he sold a trillion books about this stuff. And to be honest with you, I've used a lot of it, and a lot of it can have some benefit. But it's still, it's almost like treating a symptom and not the, the cause. Right. Because I don't think anybody knows. You know, who, you know who knows the cause or will know the cause? Neuroscientists. There you go. Not psychologists. Neuroscientists. <laughs> They're going to get in there and cut a little piece here, solder a little piece here, <laughs> screw a bolt in a little tighter, and then that'll fix it. That's who knows the answers. Not the sports psychology books who have fixes, but they're not real fixes. Well, and this has inspired me to do something I've never done on the podcast, which is tell a coach. Are you going to (laughs) cry? A coach coaching story in the second segment. And I'll tell you how he was able to uh, try to help me during a match. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. This is this going to reveal the truth about me? <laughs> it is. Oh God. Well, you will uh, witness witness Corey's uh, bearing his soul and maybe embarrassing his coach when we come back. <laughs> It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. All right, almost didn't want to come back. Um, I'm I'm not quite sure. I know the story. You didn't give me any hints. I didn't. So um, we're all on a limb. I was here. trying to beat him out of you, and you just wouldn't give up the give up the the secret. So let's hear the story. This ought to be a good one. <laughs> so we had ba- a match back when we used wooden rackets. That's right, long time ago. And wooden tennis balls. <laughs> I uh, for those that don't know, I'm sure you're all enthralled to know how I play, but I'm kind of a consistent slice finesse player i don't hit hard i don't hit winners so racket thrower well well maybe that too <laughs> i wasn't allowed to do that in college well that's uh, good but so i had a match where i won the first set and i was doing pretty well in the second and my game just collapsed the other guy nothing i did bothered him anymore he came back won the second set and he's beating me pretty easily in the third set and coach walks in the court and he's like you know, what's going on i'm just like oh nothing's working uh you know i'm I'm getting tired. This guy's got the edge on me. And he just said, just start hitting every ball as hard as you can. <laughs> and I, and at the time I was like, that doesn't make any, like, how's that going to work? Like, that's not going to help. That's not my game. And so I didn't do it. I stupidly was like, no, I'm just, this match is over. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. So it reminded me of what you said about, there's nothing you could say yeah. when you're in that tailspin. It's just like, it's over. So you would tell the same thing I tell my players now, which is what you're doing isn't working. So you got to do something different than what you're doing now. Well, shit. I was hoping from some kind of <laughs> some rocky ending where comeback. I come and tell you some amazing advice and you <laughs> turn it around and you win the match for everybody. So in other words, coaching is useless is what we're saying. You know, it's funny. On-court coaching, maybe, for tennis, maybe one of the most overestimated things. I get jealous of like football and basketball, even baseball, all their crazy signs and crotch grabbing and spitting right. and stuff. Because they're actually affecting the entirety of what's going to happen on that next play, which for us would be like the next point, yeah. maybe. Um, now, the difference is they have multiple human beings. They're trying to all interconnect. So they sort of have to say, hey, this is the thing we're going to do. Right. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Ready? Go. Do it. Um, you know, So you're coordinating multiple people that can't coordinate themselves. Uh, that's, that's one difference, whereas you're out there by yourself. And even a doubles team, eh. Everybody says, well, we have team in tennis, right. it's doubles. <laughs> no, not really. It's a, that's stupid. Well, and I think if you had, if you were reliant on coaching, you know, you had it your whole life and, you know, for 20 years you got in the, the habit of just having somebody coaching you during the match, then it might help you. But we get it so infrequently in tennis that sure. we're not used to having to, you know, listen to somebody else and and try to do what they tell us to do. Well, where the action happens is during practice all week you know it that's where you're getting prepared you're developing your patterns of play right um your game plan utilizing hopefully your game style um hopefully it matches with your physical and emotional and mental abilities um and then that's it and then i send you out into the world and hope you fly now the main thing i really try to do on court is reminders or like you're in your story I was just trying to get you into the present. I was going to say. I was trying to give you a single focus to do something with your brain besides... Thinking about how I was choking. Exactly. Exactly. Because ultimately, like you said, there's nothing I can do. I can't bring a couch out there and a a notepad (laughs) and lay you down and talk about your mother. And, you know, and did you, you know, were you breastfed? Did she love you enough? (laughs) Right. Did she let you watch too many violent cartoons? Whatever, whatever, you know, people do in those meeting, those uh, sessions. So what I have to do is try to get you out of the pre- the past or the future and get you back into the present. And my brilliant way was, hey, hit, hit as hard as you can. Yeah, and it was more obviously complex than that. But it was essentially, you know, he's on to your game now. He's got you figured out. you got to change it up. And if you're losing anyway, what does it matter? Which is the same thing I would tell somebody I'm coaching. Like, you're losing the match. If you don't, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to lose. 
Or I just knew you sucked and I wanted to hurry the hell up and get out of <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, he's so like, this is the last match on. Get That's on the bus. My, my issue. Yeah. Let's get out of here. So get on the bus and get back to campus. I'm tired of watching the shit show. Right, these sliced back hands. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, no. So for Darren, you know, he has the opportunity to go out on the court and talk to her. I, I mean, you hear, you hear, you know, does that interest you? Yeah. So you hear. It interests me, but they rarely. Nothing execute or, what they say or give right. a plan to execute. You know, if personally, if I had a coach come out and tell me, hey, you're oh hitting God. to their forehand. Let me tell you something. No, but I, I mean. <laughs> Do I want to walk I into that fucking buzzsaw? It just depends <laughs> on, but I'm a different kind of person. I, I, I take direction really well. I have a feeling that Simona Halep is Simona Halep. And Uh-oh. I think then, and she and Cahill have Shots had fired. lots of issues. <laughs> yeah, I he dropped her at one point. Yeah. yeah. And and because she is a hothead and how much is she listening to him? So None. my question is, yeah, exactly. So my question is how much of what he does is truly kind of breaking through her brain, even emotionally, mentally, whatever it might be. I just, it's, well, it's a tough, she's, and I've she's yet a to tough meet cookie. A tennis player who is really, really good that is interested in someone else's opinion on how to play. So someone like Halep's obviously been number one in her age group for her whole life. Probably. Yeah. You know, he's going to come out and coach and she's going to say, I, you know, I know what to do. I got it under control. I don't need to do that. You have to really have a lot of trust in your coach. I would think and credit them for your success, which I don't see players doing like how often is Federer name his coach or anybody else name their coach. They yeah. thank their team and all that, but you never hear anybody never say, hear the coach. oh yeah, my coach, I won this because of my coach. Yeah. And you hear that in sport and other sports all the time. It's funny watching the smaller tournaments and watching coaches come onto the court and talk with the ladies and, and the, I don't know if just that the players are focused, but most of the time the players are either ignore, look like they're ignoring their coach or looked really pissed off. <laughs> it's very rare that you get a player that's like, all right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I need to try that. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. good. No, they're usually like, ah, you know. Well, so. first of all, I think a lot of players are just basically hanging on by their fingernails of losing their emotional, you know, right. hold Posure. on the match. Yeah. So any outs, so they're just like, mm, you know, zoned in on trying to just keep their mind occupied so they don't. You know, kind of like I am when I'm flying. <laughs> I fight the urge to think about me being right. 30,000 feet in the air on a tin can. So I'm reading articles. I'm reading Elle magazine. Do Is that still a magazine? Do you need a chew toy Is that still <laughs> fly? I don't know if that's Yeah, absolutely. Is it okay? I was just trying to think of some goofy girl magazine. I didn't know you you were a fashionista. (laughs) Exactly. I don't even know what is a... I thought it was about the letter L. I was like, my goodness, why would they have a magazine dedicated to love? It's all about love, life, and love. (laughs) That's all you need. Well, I was going to say, even with baseball, when the pitching coach comes out, when the pitcher's struggling, rarely does that pitcher just automatically turn around and throw two strikeouts in a row. So I think when you're in that, that pattern, it's hard to break out of that. Yeah. Uh, pitcher is probably a pretty good analogy to te- even though it's yeah. a team sport. Baseball is basically one on one sport, right? Mm-hmm. Provided nobody does anything, so the pitcher <laughs> and the batter are in a battle one on one, and so you know the the pitcher's getting in a little bit of trouble. The coach comes out. And Surprising then, they haven't mic'd that up yet. I'm surprised they haven't come up with that in baseball. They did in Bull Durham. Famous <laughs> uh, man. We got the old baseball references today. I, I, 80s I baseball movies. Well, you know why? Because there are no Good tennis movies, but there are now. Uh-oh. Why do, spoil? Do we need to script this more? <laughs> yes. I caught the tease. She didn't catch it. Oh my god, that was a setup. She's gonna finish every one of my say sandwiches. Sandwiches. Oh, oh look at see. that. that <laughs> was, Sorry, I leave that one to my boyfriend. That was a uh, frozen reference. Frozen reference. I, know. Yeah, I can still finish. This I could sing all the songs for you, but I don't want to bore you. No, but I do want to talk about sex. Oh and wait a minute, se- typo. Sex is the battle. The battle of the sexes. We will get to that. Yeah, right <laughs> now. I'm done talking about hollow. <laughs> so I did my duty as a podcast host, and I went to go see the moment. Rebecca, did you do your duty as a podcast host? I did. That's we actually such a setup. We had, a, we did, had our Did you friend, go on a date to see it? No. Just all girls? It was all girls because we oh had a friend God. of ours visiting from Japan who used to play with us, and she was here, and we wanted it to be a group thing, so we all went. A group girl thing, because yeah. nobody called me. No. Okay. <laughs> I, Corey, we, did you go see it? I did. He tried. I, was, he I tried. did try. He tried and then realized he hates yeah. women, so which, he better not. Which I just want to say, if you're um, a tennis fan, which I think all of you guys are, if you're in the Dallas area and you go to the Alamo Draft House to watch it, they play a whole bunch of old tennis matches before, like as previews. And so, they, oh, that's really fun. yeah, it was really fun, actually. So the girls really enjoyed that. And they had a bunch of, you know, Billie Jean King and they had, you know, they had, it was great. I, I saw a lot of teams like on Facebook things that went and saw it as a group. So I'm wondering if that 
added to the appeal of the movie just being able to go as a group and watch it. And mm-hmm. I don't haven't read the numbers of how much money it's making. But. Well, first of all, let me just tell you, just like I think everything else with the tennis um, community in America anyway, um, I think this movie probably will illustra- illustrate the same thing. And that is that, first of all, we are starved for anything tennis. Mm-hmm. And second, we're a loyal bunch. Yeah. And so for that reason, how could this not do well? Because while tennis isn't the biggest sport in the country by any means Has if the biggest following every single person that plays tennis goes to see that movie it's going to make an impact oh yeah because i mean how many people out of 330 million go see any movie right a pretty small percentage yeah uh it's just you know compared to other movies is what they compare it to but if you compare it to all 330 million people it's pretty small so if you take every or a very high percentage of tennis playing public in america that go see it i mean that's gonna be a good number so apparently it, it it's doing well Oh, it's doing really well, actually. Well, I, I think the star power they got is going to make non-tennis players see it, hopefully. It, and it is. And I just want to say, Emma Stone, fabulous. I thought, when I first started watching, when it, I, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be thinking this is Emma Stone the whole time. Within five minutes. You didn't. Sure. You didn't. She, I think, deserves a nomination. I think she did a fabulous well, job. Well, listen, if you look at... This, this is going to come out terribly wrong. <laughs> if you look at Billie Jean King, is that where If you look at Billie Jean King now... You and you, you wouldn't guess that. I mean, she was pretty she attractive was really back in the day. She was really cute. She yeah. was very cute. And so Emma Stone is not that far off, if at all. Of are you trying to say that Emma's gonna? Anyway, <laughs> that's funny that you say that because a lot of people that I know were like, "How did they get Emma Stone?" They were saying that she was way more attractive than Billie Jean King. But yeah, they Billie Jean not was remembering. very cute. Right. Really, you would have said, "All right, well, Elton John should probably play." <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> so wrong. That is so wrong. <laughs> But we the only ruined, reason it's wrong is because it's so true. We just ruined all our promotion of the movie right there. No. <laughs> no, 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 but Emma Stone, and, and I mean, listen, they're professional actors, so for God's sakes, they should be able to do these things, you know, at a high level, and so they were. I think everybody in it was. Uh, one of the most impressive things about Emma and Steve Carell, Steve Carell is a league player, actually. I think oh, yeah? Yeah. He, oh, that's he's funny. Played. Emma had never played really, and she had a, a former ATP coach, I think Padilla, I'm not sure what his no, name is. No, Vince Spadia. There you go, Spadia. Oh, gosh. He, yeah, he was her coach. What is he famous for? Being a rapper? Yep. <laughs> Besides that. Didn't he lose like 17 matches in a row at some point? Probably. More than that. I think it was 22. It was something crazy, but, yeah. But he did a brilliant job, I think, teaching her how to play, and she really, she did learn how to play, and she played a lot of what they shot. She had a lot of, they both had stand-ins. Which is hard to do as, oh, okay, so the tennis scenes were not all them. No, I heard the tennis scenes them. were really good. The yeah, tennis scenes really were good. fantastic. They yeah. looked like the actual players. They modeled it after the actual match. The yeah. points they played were reconstructed from the match, but... They had two actual players yeah. from the far shots. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the near shots, it was between points when they were walking around, looking at each other, looking, you know, making yeah. faces or doing whatever people do. And Spadea? Is that how you say it? Spadia. Spadia. Think about like the Vis Spadia, Spadia. Ain't Afraidia. That's oh. one of his most famous rap lines. Snap. <laughs> he actually played in the, the Challenger I ran in East oh, Texas. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Well, he. And he wanted. I'd, we did walk up music for nice. that tournament, by the way. Nice. Why? Because I'm awesome. That is awesome. And he came out to Mama Said Knock You Out nice. by LL Cool J. There you go. Ladies love Cool J. Wow. <laughs> he was Steve Carell's um, double. Right. In the movie. And well they No, are you sure? Yes. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I just read it. I don't believe you. <laughs> he was his double. Who was Emma know. Stones? Not a tennis player? Uh a Stanford player. Yeah. Okay. So it yeah. No, I just read it. And um So first of all, from a tennis podcast standpoint, that's good. They had people come in and teach them how to play tennis, the mannerisms of those particular players, because they can't teach them how to play tennis. They have to teach right. them how to play tennis the mannerisms. Like people played in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. And so they did that, and then obviously the stand-ins played very similar to uh, Bobby Riggs and uh, Billy Jean. It's kind of hard to do nowadays to find somebody that plays like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he doesn't play like that, but I mean, yeah. it's easy to to watch. He's he's got the racket skills to be able to true to, true. to mimic mimic it. Unlike your game, nobody could mimic <laughs> Corey's game. I'm still little, waiting. People have tried. It's not going to happen. But uh, but I don't. I wasn't. I was alive in 1973, barely. <laughs> I wasn't. Neither was Corey. That Corey definitely wasn't. <laughs> but uh, but I was literally under one years old. So one year old. Uh, so I, I you know I wasn't around for all the stuff that led up to it and all that. So I don't know how um, 
how much they milked a lot of it, you know, how oh, much it had to be how much more or less racism, sexism, whatever other isms they wanted to add into it. Um, because one kind of evil character um, who we actually got to meet earlier this year, uh, Margaret Court was part yep. of this movie. Yes, she was. Obviously, I gonna say, her uh, younger so. I thought you were going to say the Simona Romanian. Hall- no, the well, the other Romanian. The, oh, Illy's yes. Nastasi. He, 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 he was mentioned. He was mentioned. He was mentioned. All the. I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, but, the question I had is, did they ever? And I don't mind that you spoil this for me. And yeah, listen, this will be spoiled out there. <laughs> uh, Bobby Riggs did not win. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Uh, did they ever address the fact that he might? have lost the match on purpose. Yes. Yeah, they did. Okay. Here's how I would say that they did that. It was very subtle. First of all, he was a degenerate gambler. Yes. Right. And so he at one point they made a point to show him calling a bookie and putting money on himself to win. A lot of money. Hmm. Something like 15 grand. 15 grand. So 15 grand on himself to win. Right. So I think they did that because they wanted to portray the fact that they they're trying to say he didn't right throw it which i think i think he did because really the scene that made me think that maybe he didn't throw it was somebody mentioned something about his at the time a strange wife because they kind of had whatever in the movie um mentioned to him was, was talking about his behavior and and she was like bobby riggs a chauvinist come on please. yeah yeah you know basically she's rich and supports him yeah and he's got no you know whatever so I think the wife was trying to say he's not sexist. Right. This is all he's it was he's a show. A, he is a circus promoter and so he was over the top nonstop to try to build it up. And then I think what Hollywood tried to do to keep their propaganda going is that he bet on himself to win, which shows he surely did not right. win. I think there was a lot more to that. I mean try to I mean that he didn't try to yeah. lose. There was a lot more to that. There was a lot in his training beforehand, which was very lackluster in the movie. I know, and I did and hear they that. really focused on it. They really focused on the fact that he just didn't think that she stood a chance against him. He really didn't train. He was taking all of these like some weird vitamin situation. Yeah, it was hilarious. Which to I'm be sure honest. I'm sure it probably happened in some yeah. way, but it was like some goofy new age. Well, you know, medical like the ones I take. Exactly. Well, the question is, did he was he lackluster in training because he knew he was going to win, or because he knew he wasn't going to try anyway? So what that's did it a good question. So here's my. Let me just tell you what I thought. Ha- I think happened in reality. I don't think he tried. I think I don't either. I I really I think in the most. I think this might be going out on a limb to say that I think he was actually trying to do. Billy Jean King and the nine women who were trying to start this tour, I think he did them a favor on purpose to really help them do. I mean, because they also portrayed Jack Kramer, who was the head of the USTA, which is the U.S. Lawn Tennis Association back yeah. then, but now the USTA portrayed him as the worst chauvinist <laughs> pig ever. And he might have been. Right. I, I don't have any recollection of that. So for me to say yes or no, you know, I don't know. But, um, you know, he was a 50s kind of guy, yeah. so he very well could have been traditional in that sense. Um, not want him in the workplace and all those other things. And that he was the main foil, I think. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. I, I, I don't quite agree. I don't know. I, I wasn't alive, and I did learn something new today. Today? Yeah. After the fact of seeing the movie. What'd you learn? About you. Oh. I'm three years younger than you. Oh, I know. You would have thought it was a lot younger, huh? No, no, but no, what I was going to say is I agree to a degree. I don't know what happened back then. I don't know what Bobby Riggs actually did in the movie. Yeah, it could definitely be the way they wrote it, the way they portrayed it. It, You know, they wanted it to feel like a win-win for women, which was to me what every woman walking out of that theater with me after we saw it felt so good about what was done and what happened and what came of it. Right. And so whether I don't care if he did it on purpose or it was still a win for women. And, oh, definitely. And and so for me, the movie had a lot of impact, you know, and, and it really does show for not just tennis, but for women in all sports, you know, because tennis for me is like the sport for women that to really that on the same level in terms of money, money with men, not necessarily and performance, no, and even notoriety. But yeah, because if you look at like basketball or soccer or anything it's there's no comparison right and so the movie meant a lot to a lot of people and especially women but so and, and it's interesting what's the guy the lawn association guy's name jack again? kramer jack kramer 
I agree with you that, that he was portrayed as a chauvinist, but at the same time, I didn't really feel like he did it because he thought women shouldn't be doing it. He wanted them there, but he really was like, oh, this is all about the money. He's like, right. you guys just don't bring in the money. And Which so, is what you hear a lot. By the yeah. way, um, there was one part of the movie that actually, I think, proved me right the most. <laughs> oh my god that's always what he's was waiting. it he's the t- kissing scenes <laughs> no that proved me something else in a theater all by myself um i did go see, by the way i was all by myself in a theater how creepy is oh, that i should have invited you i will next no time. no i just for the to, borg movie I'll he was an, analyzing taking notes for are the you podcast. kidding me going to see a movie by yourself and oh, being it's the, the best only thing one to in do. the theater is it's a the greatest thing to do Two hours of my life. Just ask Pee-wee I Herman. do it all the time. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> different movie. No, he wasn't by himself. <laughs> oh, okay. So, he, so, um, what's her name? Sarah Silverman played the mother. the mother hen, so to yes. speak. She's the agent. Uh, she's the one that kind of corralled all the, the the women and secured the Virginia Slim sponsorship and was you know whatever. Uh, she said at one point they had a meeting with Jack Kramer. Um, about the prize money situation, yes. where it was twelve thousand mm-hmm. or something to like fifteen hundred. It's yeah. pretty ridiculous <laughs> it's a difference. Big yeah. difference. And and they and they said uh, that you know their argument was that the women weren't bringing in the you know, filling the seats. Right. And then Billie Jean King said something about the fact that the final of whatever match sold as many tickets as a men's final. And uh, and what did she say? She basically equated how much prize money there is to how many tickets you sell. Which yep. yeah. I've talked about a million times. Oh, yeah. So equal prize money is bullshit. It should be based on the the door take. Right. Well, but she also made the point that just as many people went to the women's final back then as they yeah, did that's what I just to said. men. Yeah. No, so. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just reiterating what you um, said. And did you? I don't know if you heard the show. You weren't here that we had kind of previewing the movie. But did you know there was a battle of sexes too? Yes. Yeah. I think I brought Battle that up when he was to, gone. Oh, okay. yeah. Battle of the Champions, as it was called. It oh, was, was that what it was called? Jimmy Connors and Martina Navratilova. Yeah, that, did you already know about that? Yeah. We course. didn't know about that until we looked it up. Yeah. Uh, and then Navratilova just got crushed. Yeah. She it, did. She, she lost murdered. like 6-2, yeah. 6-2 or something Murdered. Like yeah. And Bobby Riggs beat Margaret Court before mm-hmm. she That I did know. That which I is why and I murdered her. Which is why I question the outcome of this. Exactly. Yeah. That's really, you know, and again, I think... The way they portrayed um, a match between King and Court prior to either battle back then was that Margaret Court just came on board with this women's this new Virginia Slims tour, and she played Billie Jean King in one of the events. It's one of the finals and beat the shit out of her and got and was number one. But they sort of tried to act like it was because. Billie Jean King, who I guess was having started and was having um, an affair with um, a hairdresser, hairdresser. a woman that was on the tour with them. You have a lot to look forward to, apparently. Yeah, um, that she her head was all in some crazy place, and she wasn't able to concentrate. Her head was in a crazy place. Wow. Down under. See, this is why we have to have a woman on the show at <laughs> right. all times because she uh, can say things like that. Keeps me out of trouble or gets me into trouble one way or another. Um, Damn straight. So it's it's hard to it's hard to kind of figure out whether they were trying to just say, well, you know, court wasn't really better, right. but uh, because then ultimately Bobby played her, but all he did was play her so he could get to King, right? Yeah. Um, because court was basically court was the female version of Jack Kramer. Yep. Think thinking women, even though she was playing professional tennis. She was still more... It, well, actually, I think they were trying to put, you know, basically shed Homophobic. a negative light on Christianity, which I don't know how early the script was complete or if they made any changes. I was just going to say that. After Margaret Court's whole right. debacle. It was before. The script has actually been... It's about four or five years old, if not more. Well, sure. But has it did, was it edited Revisions. at all after the fa- fact? Um, the Margaret Court thing happened... It happened, what, in Australia yeah, this year? Yeah, this year. Um, they started well, shooting that. Yeah, it was probably already done by yeah. then. I would guess that Margaret Court has been this person even... <laughs> Her whole life? Even in... No, no, no. Well, yes, but <laughs> more out front and out in the public yeah. probably before. So yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering if they took a, 
uh, a stab at her to really right. Get, you know. I, I thought the same thing too, but I, I'd be curious. It would be one of the things if I went to a Q and A with the filmmakers. What I'd really like to ask them about that. And they wouldn't say. <laughs> they would actually. They're they're usually pretty forthcoming about stuff like that. So. Because they really did kind of demonize her in the film. They really did. I, I mean, mean, they really did. Uh, well, and they're not. People aren't going to complain about it now because of all the stuff that's happened with her. Yeah. Right. Whereas maybe with Jack Kramer, they might, or we don't know the details of his. And and I don't dislike Jack Kramer. He had a point, but at the you know, and it, it you have to see. You have to see it. You guys go out and see it. it well, I definitely think they portrayed him as he a, was the enemy for sure. As a women hating. You know, I don't whatever. know if he was a woman hater. That's the way they portrayed him. There's no doubt. I don't doubt. think so. There's no doubt. I don't in the, the, the first place we come, one of the first places we come across him is in a male only country club. And you're not <laughs> supposed to be in here when the right. women come storming in, you know, so. It, but he lets them in and he invites them in. Well, yeah, because it's a little bit of a public situation. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, they're here now. Let's know. not embarrass. I'll settle this debate next week with my viewing. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I don't think he was portrayed as a woman hater because he wouldn't have wanted him in the tournaments, period. But. And but I do think that he was portrayed as a chauvinist. So which is you know it's different. You, you don't have to hate women to be chauvinistic. You Not according to like anyone women. these days. So does the movie know. culminate with the match, or does it? Yes. Does it yeah. go into a little bit of the aftermath? Yeah. There's a really lovely scene at the end after the match happens. Okay, but that so that's basically the movie is to build up to the match and then the match. Yes. Really, the, the really the match isn't really about the enormity and amazingness of the Astrodome. <laughs> because it was called the eighth wonder of the world yes. and uh no not really um yeah i thought listen even if they did go a little bit overboard in some of their portrays of some of the bad people portrayals of some of the bad people um well, you, you have, have to, to do have that conflicts. kind of well you have to do that a little bit anyway otherwise it's a, it's a less boring you know it right. makes it more boring so even if it's a little bit exaggerated liberties are um, taken you know, it doesn't bother me. And, uh, and ultimately it, you know, it was a good outcome, you know, in terms of the match itself, but yeah. I, which I think even without that match, it would have happened. Right. I mean, I think the, the Virginia Slims tour was already going. It wasn't like this, you know, and the tennis boom was already happening. I yes. mean, people were filling up tennis courts. And, and I was just going to say, to answer your question, the culmination of the match, right. The film wasn't entirely just about the match. No, that's what I heard. And, and it, what was really nice about it was it was a nice history of, of what the women did to get, you know, to where they were and to really fight for it. And the match kind of was the icing on the cake right. for them. And and for especially for Billie Jean King, who who was really at the forefront of, you know, her little group of ladies. Well, because she was already retired when this match happened, right? No. Oh, she was still playing. She was still, she, she was, was 29. Yeah, oh, okay. she was 29. And, but she, she, after court lost, she didn't want to, before she had played, she had nothing, didn't want to have anything to do with Bobby Riggs. And then, you know, court lost and she was like, oh my God, she's ruining this for us. And then right. she stepped in and said, yeah, we're going to do this. And so. That's which, why I think it was orchestrated. It, it might've been. And it, but you know what? It, it worked. Well, and listen, nobody can get mad at me for saying that. When at the same time they say, well, Serena beating a guy, that doesn't matter. That's stupid. Right. Well, then this was stupid. Her beating it Bobby was, Riggs or Bobby Riggs beating her, it was stupid. It Nothing was, about history would have changed except maybe we would have named the U.S. Open Court Bobby Riggs Court <laughs> if he would have won. Doubtful. I hope not. Although, listen, he's a Hall of Famer. He is. Well, and it's I like, like when Bobby we talked Riggs. about Chad Johnson, you know, racing the horse or whatever. Like, those don't yeah. mean anything. Like, what's going to happen if one, one, somebody wins or the horse wins? It doesn't matter. Right. There's no horses are not playing in the NFL right now because they won. <laughs> Damn it! So no, no, no. So I, I, listen, the hype around this movie lends itself to people thinking this was the reason, and it was not, no. in my opinion. No. Uh, again, I wasn't there. I, I didn't have to fight my way to get out of a kitchen. I often fight my way into a kitchen. <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't let you in mine. Good, um, but, uh, but I would cook for you, Brad. Oh, that's oh. sweet. Um, she's trying to throw me off. <laughs> with their temptress ways um yeah so i think everything was moving in that direction i think this is just an added sideshow to really kind of blow up the exposure of tennis and get it you know because i'm sure that was probably the zenith of the the game in america probably at that point in time will there ever be a match and i say ever that's watched by that many people that's a very good question no 
But that wasn't a match. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Maybe well, if it was like Donald Trump versus <laughs> Barack Obama. Well, because at the for one, there's there were four channels back then, so the, everything <laughs> was higher rated back then. But True. I just don't think can't think of any two. I mean, I do think McEnroe and Serena would be. That'd Huge. be fun. I don't, because Serena would kick the living shit I, out of him. It needs to be well, some, know, but someone would, younger than McEnroe. But that, just the hype of it and putting it on prime time and network TV, yeah. I mean, I think, but still, I don't think you get 40 million viewers or however many of this had. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be... If it were like Serena and Pete Sampras, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, listen, here's the thing. Um, Pete Sampras would destroy <laughs> Um He is the greatest player. <laughs> I set him up for that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, no, but listen, you, you look back at that, and you, and if you're under the age of 25, first of all, you're stupid, not because you're not <laughs> smart, because you know nothing, but you think you know everything. Right. And Truth. It, it was different. It was a different time, and there was different issues. And that's one thing that drives me insane, is that when you see a movie like that, guess what? Rebecca, who, if you haven't figured out, is a woman. <laughs> what? Um, well, we have to, it's a podcast. We don't oh. know these things. Is my voice that low? <laughs> no, your, your your voice identifies as a woman. Okay. So, but uh, but you know, it, it really was a stark contrast in opportunities for women now and mm-hmm. then back then. I mean, it it's it's um, and tennis. I think you're right. Is a sport where um, women have a vast array of opportunities. And to be honest with you, even if we started, even if we spent billions and billions of dollars to create women's football leagues all over the country, they wouldn't fill up because women don't want to run into other women head first for the most part. And if they do, do. half of them, well, yeah, you're a man, but that's on the tennis court. Um, But, and if they do, it's more than half of them are probably to prove a point that they can, they don't really want to. Whereas boys are just dumb. We actually just want to run into shit. Well, and the women wouldn't want to watch other women doing that necessarily, no. probably. So right. that's the other thing. you got to have people that want to do it and that want to watch it. Yeah. I, I'm getting to the point where I almost don't want to watch it. It hurts me watching football. It <laughs> yeah. really, it's like, I oh don't want to watch a bunch so of bad. criminals running around the They're not all field. criminals. Well, when you see, you know, two or three people per game going on a stretcher or an ambulance, yep. it, it is... That's not two or three. No, that's a bit much. But I'm just saying, if it gets to that point, there has to be sure. a breaking point of yeah. you know, where it's it becomes hard to watch. Come yeah. on, football players, keep killing each other so tennis can grow. <laughs> that's right. That's what we're all about here at the Revolution. Yes. Um, well, that was fun. No, well, listen, we didn't solve anything, um, but I <laughs> were would. Were we supposed I, to? Listen, whoever the studio or actors, whoever they don't sponsor this podcast, but they should. But we'll give them free advertising. I highly recommend going to see. Um, Battle of the Sexes. Highly recommend it for a lot of reasons. If you're a tennis fan, you just get to see a piece of tennis history. Um, also a little bit of social history. Um, and and support something, uh, in our industry, and that's important. And also in my industry, in the film industry, I just want to say that. What kind of film industry? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) People always ask me that. Carry on. No, no. No, I just want to say it was actually an incredibly well done piece of work. Hey, and it. I'm assuming, aside from the kind of movies you make, uh, Rebecca, <laughs> um, no, no, I meant your college film, you know, that mm-hmm. your students make. Um, I'd, I'd imagine it's quite an undertaking, both time, effort, money, um, to get a project off the ground and get it completed. And they did that for a tennis movie. Obviously, you know, women's rights, all those other underpinnings of the social blah, blah, blah. But for us, this podcast and the fans of this podcast it's also about tennis is the is, is the background piece right. to it which is huge for us because nobody gives a shit about us well and i think it's pretty rare to have a movie with that level of star power historical and sports i mean you don't get those three things in yep. one movie very often well hopefully we've got one more of those coming and i right now it's in Boy. release other places if you're in the film industry i need you to get us a bootleg copy from somewhere that's not in swedish um <laughs> My, I- could probably do that for you actually handle it uh because it's released other places in the world okay right now. um it's apparently a, if it's yeah in europe it's released yes. but battle of sexes is not released well, i was gonna say they they're probably gonna wait here till they're flipping and that flopping. one fades away right can't have two tennis movies i was gonna say they, they made a tennis movie but they're not that psyched to make um but that was made over there right. so it's but a isn't that hollywood like we don't get a tennis movie for 20 years and you get two in one month i mean that's right. so typical that, that's it's called the magic of hollywood yeah it's like 
It's the magic fairy dust where you have one person writing a tennis script and then like three others are writing. Yeah. It, so well, here it'll be called Borg McEnroe. Over there, it's yeah. just called Borg. Because <laughs> I think I mean that it uh, it was made. It has to be called Borg McEnroe because they, people will be like, who? Oh, but if you say McEnroe, Star, Star Trek film, if it's just Borg, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, Cyborg. Oh, my God. All right. So, anywho, so there you go. That's our movie review for the week. <laughs> and um, we're all back. I hope we can keep this going because last week was miserable. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully this is better for y'all out there. And um, once again, thank you for joining the revolution. Bye, guys. Bye. Maria, get a, yeah, the girl. Yeah.